What's up, everyone? Um, and we're live. Um, today we got a pretty interesting guest. Um, his name is Danny Bland. Uh, what's up, Danny? Oh, just sitting here in this uh, post-apocalyptic hellscape. It's pretty. Yeah, it's pretty <laughs> intense. You live in Seattle, right? I do. Okay, what's the vibe like there right now? I mean, I haven't been to Seattle. Last time I was there was probably like shit a year and a half ago on tour. Maybe even two years ago. Uh, what's going on there now? <laughs> well, we are uh, we're uh, a well-behaved type city, so we're not doing anything right now. Uh-huh. We're all uh, well. I mean, we do have the occasional riot here and there. <laughs> we did occupy uh, six. Uh, blocks of Capitol Hill. Yeah, you did earlier in the pandemic. But yeah. uh, really, uh, I live in West Seattle. You know, I'm looking out of the ocean. It's all very, uh, it's all very uh, safe and masked up and uh, and well behaved. I'm into it. Is that kind of close? I, is West Seattle kind of close to like Bremerton, Washington? No, no. Um, that you know, that, I mean, that's that's. It's pretty far away. What what it is is if you if you're in downtown yeah. Seattle, you can just see there's a bridge that goes right over to it, and and, the, and we just we just stay on the other side of the bridge. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I I played gigs in Seattle. I played some like shitty dive bar in West Seattle, man, like four or five years ago. Um, I was playing in this band called Pasole. Um, like I play guitar. And it was, we were on tour, but it was like one of those gigs, and we're going to talk about it because you've probably written about it, and I know I'm writing about it, but it's like one of those gigs where you show up at like a Wednesday night, 4 p.m., it's like a bar slash kind of restaurant, and you play in the back where like the pool table is, and there's like one little speaker in the fucking corner, (laughs) you have to like bring your own microphone, your own cable, uh... And it was like one of those hell gigs that you play as like, like a young band on tour. And, you know, as some, pretty much anyone who's listening to this podcast probably doesn't know yet, um, you have been tour managing for quite some time, right? Yeah, yeah. I haven't done one of those gigs that you described <laughs> right there since I was in, since I was in Cat Butt. Oh, it's bro, yeah. I do, uh, uh, I do recall. And so I'm kind of looking through the stuff that you've been working on. Um, the first book that kind of caught my eye um, is called In Case We Die. Um, it seemed to be a book that was written about a specific time and a specific place. Am I wrong? You are correct. Yeah. I mean, well, it, it, it spans, uh, it's kind of in two different parts. You know, there, there is, it, it really takes place in 1990 mm-hmm. in Seattle. Yeah, and specifically uh, downtown Seattle, using the backdrop of a twenty-four hour uh, porno shop. Nice. As uh, as my place of employment, <laughs> and as the uh, uh, sort of the back background of a what is essentially a love story, and uh, and then about halfway through the book, it just mysteriously skips ten years. Okay. And then, uh, and then the tale continues from there. This is the first book you wrote. Correct. When did you start writing? Oh, uh, um, you know, I, I had written various op-eds and articles and shit in in various weekly papers for since I was 
a kid, but mm-hmm. um, really, I mean, I I got a late start in life as far as being a uh, a published an actual published author. Mm-hmm. I, I you know that was I think uh, that book came out in um, 2013, wow. I believe. And, uh, and the, yeah, that was the first novel that I ever wrote. Now, as a dude, so I, I started writing about like two and a half years ago. <clears throat> um, 33 now, so that would put me at, you know, 30 years of age when I kind of put, you know, pen to paper. Um, I kind of started writing because I... the laptop, it's much easier. It's much easier. <laughs> and tell me, yeah. And I, but, but the reason I started writing was because I've been like, you know, I've been reading my entire life. Um, and with music, you know, I kind of taught myself how to play the guitar, taught myself how to write songs, um, kind of booked all my own tours, you know, recorded all my own album. And, you know, so I had, it was the epitome of DIY, right? So like when it came to writing, it kind of came down to the idea of, well, you know, I picked up the guitar, I figured out how to do that. I know how to read a fucking book. Why can't I write one? Um, and that's kind of how like I got into writing. Like, was there a certain thing like specifically that kind of just kicked you off? Maybe like a spark, an idea, or was it kind of just something you were always thinking about and always fucking with? Well, that, that, uh, we have very very similar paths. You know, uh, I was um, I was always in uh, punk rock bands, and I booked my own tour. You know, I booked uh, my own tours way back when, and then. Eventually, I started playing in this band in, in Seattle called Catbutt, which, which was signed to Sub Pop, and I booked tours for for my band. and And uh, the guys from Sub Pop called me in because they could not figure out how a bunch of fuck ups like Catbutt got <laughs> to go on tour, and yet the rest of the bands were kind of stuck in Seattle. And I just, you know, I presented my my Rolodex of friends and, and, and cohorts across the country. And, and then I, and then I ended up working as the booking agent for sub pop. So I would book all those bands. Like I booked, you know, I booked the first couple, maybe even three Nirvana tours and I booked Tad and I booked Swallow and, and, and a bunch of other Seattle acts. Uh, and then, uh, while, you know, while playing in bands all at the same time, but as far as writing goes, I was I was uh, was and am a snooty book collector. You know, mm-hmm. like I'm I'm standing in a room right now. There must be a thousand books in here. Easy. Did you read and, all uh, of them? <laughs> I think I read uh, probably eighty five percent of them, and and uh, you know I hope to get to all of them before I die. Isn't that a but, weird uh, thing having books unread books on a bookshelf? It's always been kind of a weird thing to me. Even if it's a book that I only got like halfway through, it still feels like I shouldn't put it on the shelf yet. <laughs> See, I I like I I treat them as pieces of art for sure. Uh, even at, even just as physical objects. Got so it. so um, you know uh, the words are are important of course but to me i don't know and and i'm like i said i'm 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 a snotty one they're all hardbacks uh i would say uh 95 percent of them are first editions and uh so anyway uh, i'm always been a big fan and uh you know and wrote a lot of songs i was mostly a lyricist and i had always 
and you know for in case we die like when i worked at that at that porn shop it's called the champ arcade that was in 1998 1990 and at the time i knew it was such a bizarre experience that i kept notes Mm -hmm. planning to write a book even back then like i had a notebook and i would write down crazy things that happened in in you know for future plans of writing a book about it now i didn't get started until much later but Uh i was really kicked into gear by by the uh death of a friend of mine who is really the main subject of the book and she she uh she passed away she committed suicide and uh, and it it's it it made me it it brought out an urgency in the need to write a book so uh, you know i i know with our short attention spans i'm like i need to keep her story alive mm-hmm. And the way to do that, in my mind, was to write a book about it. And and that is the thing that kicked me into gear, because it was an urgent matter. And so it gave me the inspiration to actually sit down and do it. So now you have this idea. You've been writing these notes about, you know, for years and years. Your friend commits suicide. It kind of you know, kicks you in the ass and now we're going to do it. Um, you start writing that first page. Okay. Do the demons pop in your head of just, you know, this is dog shit. Um, or are you hearing the angels singing being like, this is the greatest thing ever put on paper and either, or whatever those fucking voices are saying, how do you deal with those voices? How do you turn down the ego or how do you turn up the confidence? I, I never, I never, I never had a voice that was telling me that it was dog shit. Um, and God bless. to me, yeah, I don't know. I, I just kind of don't operate like that. And I try not to get too, uh, egomaniacal about the whole situation, but, uh, there are sometimes I'll, I'll, I'll stand back and I'll read a page that I just wrote mm-hmm. and I'll go. God damn, that's pretty good. <laughs> and uh, um, and then occasionally I'll look at something that I wrote a year earlier or six months earlier, and I'll go and I'll go, holy shit, that's really good. Isn't that so, crazy? Uh, uh, I don't know. Um, and you know, and I got really lucky. I I realized this. You know, it was the first book I wrote. Um, I you know, the, the 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 publisher that I wanted to put it out in my, my dream scenario, which was Fantagraphics, which is a, a, a local publisher, and mostly they do graphic novels, but I, I, I always love their art. I love the way they put, I love the way their books looked. Uh, and I wanted, and it was such a, it's such a Seattle-centric story that I felt like it should come out on that label, and, and uh, lo and behold, it did. So, did you approach and, and, them? Yeah, well, it was a little bit sneakier than that. Even mm-hmm. I, I, there's, <laughs> there, um, there is a, a woman who lives in town here named Rachel Flotard, who is also a, a local musician and sort of a universally beloved character. And she had just recently segued from being a musician into handling uh, artists, being an artist management. Okay. 
So I approached her and I said, I would like for you to manage this. And by what, but, and what I mean is I need you, you to take this book in and, and, uh, hustle it to Fantagraphics, knowing that, uh, that, uh, she was a beloved character and, and someone would pay attention to her and knowing that if somebody creepy like me were to walk <laughs> in and hand them, uh, 50,000 words, it would go in a big pile in the corner and never get looked at. Most definitely. And so, uh, it was a devious little plan, but it worked. Now, was she acting essentially as your literary agent? Yeah. Uh, I guess, I don't know if a, uh, agent slash manager, uh-huh. I suppose. Yeah. yeah. Um, so it's, you know, in, you know, in the music world and especially, you know, pre Napster Spotify, um, you know, bands had A&R people, right? So they had people who were in charge of the records and making sure the sound that, you know, that the label wanted was there and that the records were going to sell, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I'm learning as, you know, I am as naive to this entire business, the book business, as you could possibly be. I went to, you know, school, I studied business. <laughs> um, I own a dog walking business in San Francisco. And I am as, you know, new to this again. As, what's up? I said, I'm jealous. I'd love that job. Dude, I, so I, well, I started the business five years ago. And what happened was I was touring, 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 and the lead singer of the band, it was like a mariachi surf rock band. And it was a dope band, but the lead singer sang in English and Spanish. And what happened was we were on tour in Austin, and he essentially just kind of broke up the band. We were at South By, and uh, pretty much just kind of broke up the band. And I came home and kind of had you know a little bit of a crisis. And in between tours... I was working for a dog walker in another part of the city and kind of saw how he did the business. And I'm like, you know what? I can kind of do this. And I did. And it's one of the things that's kind of allowing me to actually be able to pursue writing. Um, you know, having that kind of free plenty of, time. Plenty of dogs. Plenty of dogs that need walking. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So, well, how, does, uh, how does quarantine and pen? pandemic times affect your business it's been interesting um when it first started back in you know what end of march well so i so i i I self-published my first book three weeks before quarantine hit (laughs) um yeah yeah so actually for people who don't know um danny and i kind of connected through the local bookstore here in san francisco uh green apple books um and they were huge they they were the pretty much the one bookstore in SF that was like super fucking supportive of me. And I, I wrote a boxing novella um, and uh, they put it on their shelves. And then I kind of came through Danny through their Instagram. And then I, then Danny has one of the best Instagram story timelines, you know, I kind of follow and uh, he posts some funny fucking memes. And that's why I kind of figured maybe, you know, he would be, we get along. And so, yeah, so I, I published this book and quarantine hits and then pretty much what happened was I started writing short stories because I just I needed to do something, and I, I wrote these two short stories, published, uh, submitted them both to the New Yorker. They both <laughs> got rejected, and so with the business, I had a lot of free time, and I kind of you know I lost a couple of clients. Um, I'm kind I moved to a, a more expensive apartment. <laughs> uh, you know, crazy things have happened. I got a puppy. Um, you know, life's been nuts, but the business is hanging on. 
So, you know, it's like with anything, really, dude. It's like with anything. If, like tour managing, right? I've worked with a lot of tour managers, like selling merch for bands, like at Great American Music Hall, and, you know, and like Slims and stuff like that. And I know a good tour manager between a bad tour manager. Like someone who's got their shit together, you know, there's no questions asked, you know, there's never a question of money. Um, and I run my business like the same way. Um, you know, so that kind of has helped with this whole thing because, you know, clients haven't left me yet. Uh, and I'm kind of just sticking with it. You know, what the fuck else am I going to do? What's not, what's not to love about being a dog walker? Yeah, you know, so I'm just doing my thing and I'm, you know, I'm kind of sticking with it. And uh, what it's, it's already September, man. <laughs> um, you know, so... Yeah, so what to get back, all right, so I want to get back, though, to the Green Apple thing. So they kind of put us, in, or I got in touch with Danny, hit up Danny, and again, the music thing, I, I've been working on a book now for about three-ish years, and it's a rock and roll book. I'm trying to write a book about a band, um, and Danny wrote a book kind of about a band, right? I mean, or at least about the music scene, and you couldn't have wrote, wrote about that shit unless you were in it. Am I wrong? Uh, well, uh, in case we die, it's not. It's I. I made the the main character. His name is Charlie Hyatt. I who is me basically. Uh, I did. I did not make him a musician. Is it? Is it revolved and, around the musician? It, the scene? Yeah, there's a lot. Of, I mean, you know, it's 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 drugs. Yeah, it's. Love it's music, it's all those things. So yeah, it does involve a lot about the scene. But I didn't make uh, the character based on me a musician, although I was at the time, uh, just because I wanted it to. I wanted it to be. I wanted him just to be working at a porn shop, and therefore, sort of um, uh, adrift in life. Mm -hmm. You know, like obviously, this is not something he plans on doing. This life it's everything's temporary in 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 his life including the relationship with the woman that he's in love with everything's temporary so it sort of it sort of makes him uh charmingly lost do you look back on that and do you still you know when you go through those pages in that first book you know, are you able to kind of go right back to where you were as a person? Do you still kind of connect with the themes that you were writing about? I mean, you know, as time goes on and, you know, as you create new works of art, you know, how do you look back on the things you did in the past, especially, you know, being your debut book? Um, well, I mean, you know, I'm working uh, on another novel now that pretty much starts as in the exact same place where that one ends. Okay. So, um, yeah, it's easy for, I mean, uh, my, uh, the, the medium, <laughs> the, the subjects and the mediums that I work in are kind of, uh, limited. I, I work in, uh, I work in, I try to, to give the, um, low lives and the scum of the earth. I try to breathe life into them and, and make them human. So, uh, and I don't really go too far out of that. <laughs> there, you know, there'll never be a, uh, there'll never be a, a science, science fiction novel. Yeah, of course. It'll never be, uh, <laughs> I just, I deal with, 
I, I deal with uh, um, desperate yet charming characters. Would you, I mean, you know, not to, you know, are there authors you kind of look up to? Are there books, are, yeah, are there books that you've kind of have read in the past that were like, you know, fuck, I would love to write something like this? Or, you know, are there even paragraphs that stick with you kind of throughout time that kind of mold and help you with your own work? Well, you know, there are books that I, that, uh, if I read a book then, and I like the feeling of it, mm-hmm. that's sort of more in- inspirational to me. Like, yeah. I am a big fan of Harry Cruz, so, okay. um, you know, Feast of Snakes, mm-hmm. that book has a feel to it, and I like, you know, Last Exit to Brooklyn, mm-hmm. uh, had, I love that book because there's a, there's, he has this disregard for grammar <laughs> and punctuation that really does not affect the, the, the readability have you book at all have you ever read any cormac mccarthy yes i mean I like, the, the I, first I like the same thing about him too. literally the first three pages of all the pretty horses i don't think there's a single comma and it's like <laughs> i remember when i because that was the first one of his books that i read admittedly i only got into him recently and i'm only bringing it up because that's exactly what you're talking about and i remember picking up that book reading it and i'm like this did this guy like, did anyone even edit this fucking book? And it, it won, you know, and I, I think that one won, you know, not the yeah. Pul- not the Pulitzer, I think it won the Penn Faulkner, one of those awards. And and then you start getting more into his other books, and you're like, oh, well, wait a second, no, it's not, it's a tone. It's like a record. Books are like music. There's tones. Um, there's feel. There's a style to it, for yeah. sure. Like, I, I do the same, you know, in case we, in, in case we die has technically a lot of run-on sentences Mm -hmm. in it but those generally appear when the characters are inebriated (laughs) perhaps um um there are other in in case we die also has three words in it throughout the book Mm -hmm. uh which are totally made up they're not (laughs) even real words and 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 (laughs) do you you explain that in the book or no you just throw it in there no yeah yeah yeah, and in fact I've never had anybody approach me and go, "Hey, man, that's not a real word." <laughs> so, <laughs> not even your works. editor. Do you have an editor? Do you work with an editor? Oh yeah, the, the editor uh, definitely did. Uh-huh. But uh, I explained like, no, no, and and you know, uh, Fanographics is great. They 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 really didn't. They hardly touched the book at all. Okay. And there was one part of the book they wanted to just cut out altogether, and I presented. Uh, uh, a, a sober argument why mm-hmm. it should stay in there, and they said, "Okay, really? just like that." So, yeah, I didn't have any uh, any problems like that. But uh, you know, I explained why it should be there, and they they dug it. So now, have you have you did you release the next two books with them as well? No, um, I started after I finished writing that book, and and before it came out. You know the the lag time, while you know while they're off being manufactured, and and the the, the time that the publisher needs to uh, start promoting it. I didn't have anything to write, so I got a little stir crazy, and I started posting haiku on social media, mm-hmm. uh, mostly Facebook at the time, 
And I never explained that that's what I was doing. I just started posting these things mm-hmm. all of a sudden. There's the old uh, writer's exercise of uh, writing a haiku a day for a year. Okay. So I figured if I'm going to do that, I'm just going to post one a day for a year. Sure. Um, now, that went on for actually two and a half years before <laughs> I took a day off. Okay. But uh, Jonathan Poneman from Sub Pop Records um, approached me at the uh, at the record at the book release for In Case We Die, and he said, "I I like I love those haikus. I want to put I want Sub Pop to put out a book." So, uh, my buddy Greg Dooley was at this event with me, and he was reading. Uh, he was helping me out. He was reading a few. He read a chapter, and I read a chapter, and we signed some books. And uh, and Greg's a, a, a Greg's a great, a terribly interesting photographer. <laughs> and um, so I just said, "All right, me and Greg are going to do a book." And I uh, used his photos and my haiku, and that was the first book called um, "I Apologize in Advance for the Awful Things I'm Going to Do." Great title. Uh, do you come up with title? What's your deal with titles? Is it, do you take lines from things? I mean, uh, for instance, uh, the the last short story I wrote, um, I got my title was it's it was about uh, Vice released this like two season thing on YouTube about like uh, professional wrestlers, professional wrestling about the WWF, and yeah, yeah. So they released an episode about the Owen Hart tragedy when he fell when he died when he you know what I'm talking about, um, and I, yeah, and at the very end of the episode. Um, they're interviewing JR, like that old school WWF announcer. And he had this line, and it, it just stuck with me. And, and he, sim- he just said it, you know, right off the cuff. And he said, when he fell from the sky in Kansas City. And I'm like, well, oh, fuck, that's it. <laughs> um, and then I wrote, I just wrote a short story, a fictionalized version of that day's events. But, like, where do you get titles from? Is it just whatever the fuck? Or do you actually, you know, you wait for something to kind of hit you? Well, the uh, I apologize in advance for the awful thing I'm, things I'm going to do is actually a it's it, that is a haiku. That's okay. one of the haiku that's in the book, and I just thought it was I thought it uh, I thought it summed up it summed up the contents of the book, right? Uh-huh. Like I write haiku that would hardly be considered traditional, and uh, they're mostly you know they they can be crass and they can be they can be dirty and they can be funny and they can be. Uh, gut-wrenchingly sad as well so I thought I thought that was an appropriate title for the book uh, in case we die is that was just a, that was just a line from the book that jumped up jumped out at me and so I used that and then my second haiku book is called we shouldn't be doing this mm-hmm. which is uh, also a line from one of the haiku and kind of summed up, you know, we shouldn't be doing this is, is basically one of those things where two people, two people meet up and they, and maybe they become uh, fast and frantically uh, and maybe inappropriately close. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, and that's kind of one of those things like, I, I feel like whenever, whenever you Whenever you're in a situation like that and you say we shouldn't be doing this, it's probably the biggest turn-on line that you that could come <laughs> out of somebody's mouth. And uh, uh, so I, that's what I that's what I chose for that book. Um. <laughs> well, well, to kind of well to bring this all back around. So, 
to, with the idea of you know creating a title out of you know taking a title from a line or something like that. Sub Pop Records, Nirvana, like Smells Like Teen Spirit is never sung once in the in the song, right? Like he got that from I think incorrect. You probably know the story better, but wasn't he at some party and some someone drew on the wall with like deodorant yeah. smells like Teen Spirit, and that's where he got the name of the song from. Graffiti that was at his house. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Do you, uh, man, I'm not gonna, yeah, all right. <laughs> um, and you, I believe it was written, I, I think it was actually written by, uh, um, Hannah from, from Bikini Kill, if, if I'm getting my story straight. Did you ever see Nirvana? Oh, yeah. I, I, I booked their first but did two you, tours. But did you see them? Of course. Really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Many fuck, times. Man, fucked. I mean, that is, <laughs> like, that, I mean, you know, again, I'm, you know, of a, of a different generation, but it's like, to think of a band ever being like that ever again is just, it's almost impossible to, you know, once every 40 years. Yeah, I mean, it will happen again. You know, it, ha yeah. it happened with them and it will happen again. Yeah. The, uh, but, you know, I mean, every, what are they, they, they were tagged with the, you know, the, the, uh, he, Kurt was tagged with that spokesman of a generation. Oh, yeah. Moniker, which which uh, you know Bob Dylan had before, and yeah. and Woody Guthrie had before him, and you know, could we, could, I, you, I, maybe Springsteen somewhere in the middle, I guess. Well, I you're, uh, well, you're it's, uh, well, you're talking to a Jersey boy. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, yes, no, there will be more. Yeah, no, no, they are yet. Yeah, and like I think about that in the in the literary world, like you know who who were the people that really just changed, you know, almost the art form. Like, you know, I'm looking at my copy of Infinite Jest, right? And I, I read it. I read it, and it's on my bookshelf because I finished it. Um, right. Did I enjoy it? No, not necessarily. Um, I liked, you know, well, I, 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 on, the, on another episode, I talk about this. And it's like, you could have cut, you know, 300 pages out of that book and it would have been the same book in my mind but you know but then again but I'm not David Foster Wallace and if I said that he would probably you know if he were still with us probably tell me to go fuck myself and that's fine well, he could probably present an, uh, a sobering <laughs> argument Much, that would yeah. tell you why it's possible <laughs> exactly I, I, I haven't read that book uh, that's one of the books that everyone tells me I should read I haven't I haven't I don't own it yeah. I haven't read it yet uh, but you know um I, my taste um, is probably a, you know a little bit older. Like I said, I like I like. Uh, uh, well, my favorite book of all time is a book. I didn't called, want to ask uh, you. <laughs> oh, well, no, you I mean, tell us, you know, tell us. I, I get asked that, and so I finally had to had to think about it. <laughs> exactly. What it was. Yeah. I have a definitive answer. <laughs> my favorite book is this book called "Coming Through Slaughter" by oh. Michael Andonche. Okay. And uh, uh, um, if you haven't read it, you need to. You need to throw down, throw away whatever piece of shit you're reading Most right definitely. now, and get yourself a copy. Uh, and uh, and all you know. Let's see. What I'm trying to think of. Is are you into like again? You and I, you know, we don't know each other, so I'm throwing. I'm going to throw stuff at you and throw it back. Like I'm a big dude. I'm a big John Updike guy. Um, I'm a huge Philip Roth guy. Uh, you know, Saul Bellow, that late 60s, early 70s, New York, Jewish, you know, East Coast, money, Manhattan kind of thing. That's always been my, 
biggest turn on when it came to literature. Um, and, you know, it's interesting. You can kind of get stuck in a, almost a generational kind of wormhole, um, right. you know, especially with books. Because, again, it's, it's amazing because the books that are being written right now, you know, or that are being published right now, you know, have a, there's a certain tinge to everything. Um, and, you know, like I look at my copy of Poor Noise Complaint and I think that would be a very difficult book to get published right now. Uh, you know, about some neurotic Jewish guy masturbating in the back of a cab. Like, people don't want to read that right now. You, like, you know what I mean? Um, yeah. You know, I mean, uh, the uh, a classic story, uh, and you have to think, like, I never thought about, um, I didn't think about marketing. Well, actually, that's not true. I did think a little bit. But as far as the story goes, I, I needed, I needed, to tell the story that I told. And so I didn't really consider any of those questions. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and the next one is the same way. Like I don't, I got, I get, I get lucky. I get published. Mm -hmm. I don't have to work too hard at it. Mm -hmm. People seem to enjoy my books Mm -hmm. and, uh, I, you know, I don't make a, I don't make a bazillion dollars, but you know, it pays my rent sometimes and that's good. And it's Uh, also, I have it. Well, luckily, I have a job that I really, really like, so yeah. I don't have I don't depend on it. But it, um, but so so it's hard to consider, you know, exactly what is going on in literature right now. <laughs> I don't know. And again, and even if you were to pay attention, at the end of the day, who really gives a shit? Because as a writer, you're an artist, and I feel like, you know, writers don't. You know, the word artist doesn't get tagged with the word writer often. You know, a painter is an artist. A guitar player is an, you know, an artist. Even a pop singer is called an artist. But rarely do you ever hear about writers being called an artist. And in, when you're creating something, you know, even if it's written word, that's art. And what I was kind of saying with the whole idea of, you know, Philip Roth writing about, you know, a neurotic Jewish guy masturbating in the back of a cab, like he was going to write that no matter what. Um, You know, I'm going to write the shit that I'm going to write no matter what, because at the end of the day, I need to kind of be happy with it. Um, Yeah, yeah. yeah. But it's interesting as you walk into bookstores, even, you know, by the month, what is kind of coming to the front um, you know, I'm actually going to talk to the owner of uh, Green Apple Books soon and kind of ask him these kind of questions, too, because, again, I don't know anything about, you know, the big deal publishing world, you know, the Simon and & Schuster's and all that kind of shit. Um, right. So it's kind of refreshing to kind of hear it from your end because you're kind of coming f- from a different angle as well, right? Not coming from, like, the traditional publishing realm. I, I, I write because I enjoy it and because there's some things I just have to do. Exactly. There's some things I have to write about. And if I had to make a living at it, then I would be hungry right now. <laughs> but luckily, I don't. And, uh, you know, I, it would be nice. But, do you again, write every- I, have a jo- I have a job I love. And, uh, and even though it doesn't technically exist right now, but that's fine. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> Um, <laughs> I do want to definitely talk about that, but wait, real quick. Do you write every day? Um, no, I don't. But when I was firing on all cylinders, mm-hmm. when I was writing, uh, when I was writing, in case we die, I did. And, and even if I was on tour, even if I just wrote 
uh, make a, like a note exactly. to the story. Yeah. yeah. You know whether whether I wrote a sentence or whether I wrote a thousand words. Thank you. I did. <laughs> I did something every day. Exactly. It's just like I have a friend. He's a great writer. He sent me two pages two months ago. Haven't heard anything since. I know he's right. not working. And it's like to me, it's just. You know, again, it's you could write four sentences a day, delete three of them, you have one new sentence. Um, I, I'm sorry. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm right there with you. Yeah, I agree. you know, I, I'm kind of a, a whack job in the sense of like I'm kind of addicted to my routine. So like I'm the kind of you know quote unquote writer who you know I write from seven in the morning till eight in the morning. You know, I turn off my phone and that's when I write. Um, and it, well, it's just because for, for me, that's how I can do it. Um, yeah. I, you know, same with music. I've never been the kind of guy who, you know, I'm not going to sit here and wait for inspiration to strike. Like you just pick up the fucking guitar and you play a C chord. And if it's not feeling the way you want it to feel, move it down a half step, you know, like these are the things you can do to kind of create inspiration. And with writing, I always wanted it to be the same way. It's like, I'm not going to sit here and fucking wait for something to happen. I know if I do it every day or if I just go at it, like, you know, chopping down wood, eventually it's going to, you know, come to fruition in some sense. Um, something. Yeah. yeah that's, and that's what, that's what I tell people when they, when they, when they, when they want to pick, they want to pick my brain about writing. Then I just say, get a piece of paper write chapter one yeah, and go and fucking because write <laughs> that's what you have to do and which is bad which is is good advice it's not actually even how i did it i wrote the beginning i wrote the first i wrote the first chapter of my book and i wrote the last chapter of my book and then i filled up and i filled in everything in between mm. but um that was weird i just needed to i needed to this is in case we die yeah but at the, at the time i needed to write the last chapter because i was in it at the time mm. and I didn't want and I wanted I didn't want to lose that feeling so I did it then and then I and then I flushed out the rest yeah how long did and it take you in total to write that book yeah, a couple of years yeah yeah I'm about two and a half years into the novel I've been working on but then I, again I kind of well I've talked about this before do you ever work on multiple things at the same time or is it kind of just like I'm working on this one book and when it's done, I'll start the next one. Like I work, I'm, I'm writing three novels, two novellas, a collection of short story. I mean, I'm all over the fucking place. <laughs> I don't do that. I mean, I will, you know, I, I will, I'm, I'm always, uh, I'm always, uh, I don't know how I, how I ended up being a, a poet, but I'm always, cranking out uh, haiku because I, I'm good at it. I don't know why. I studied nothing. Uh, <laughs> you never took uh, a single writing class. I, I never took a writing class in my life. I haven't. Um, yeah. So it, I, I'm working in one book at a time, but I will, uh, you know, I'll shit out a haiku um, just because I can. You, uh, <laughs> of course. Yeah. Well, we talked earlier kind of writing anytime you have the time to do it. Uh, would right. you ever write like in the van <laughs> or like on tour, you know, it, you know, doing laundry? Oh, yeah. I, yeah. I'll do it. Uh, if I'm in the van, a lot of times I'll like, I will, I'll pick up, uh, if I'm, I would say Dave Alvin, I'll pick up the van in Los Angeles. Mm -hmm. I'll load the gear in it. I'll drive to 
St. Louis. Oh yeah. And the band will fly fly in and that's where the tour will start. Most definitely. So meanwhile, I have four days of driving and I'll have my, you know, I'll I'll be thinking about it. I'll have the voice memo on the phone going and I'll, and I will talk into it. If something comes up, something Mm -hmm. great. Yeah. And then I'll get up uh, extra early the next day. I'll put that shit on paper and then I'll move on to the next, you know, next city so again so for the people who are listening to this because there's a lot of lazy people out there you said it you said it you got up extra early like for me dude i had to there's at my right now the way my life is operating there's not enough hours in the day to get the things i want to get done so now i you know i'm waking up 45 minutes earlier i'm going to bed or to do these things and like you know uh you ever read kitchen confidential by anthony bourdain no. Okay. I mean, I it's a good people, people. People love it. People love that book, and I know there's something to it, but I have not read. Okay. It. Yeah. No. It, it's a good book. I mean, you know, read it. Don't read it. It's all good. But what he talks about in the book is once he kind of got into the flow of what you know, he I think he had written a book prior to that, a fictional book. Um, but once he kind of got into the flow, he was waking up, you know, super fucking early to work on that book all day before he would go to work. Um, there's another book and I, I, oh, I feel like I talk about it on every single podcast. Um, you ever hear of the Zen and art of motorcycle maintenance? Yeah. Great. So Robert Persig did this real, actually I'll send it to you. He did this really cool interview with NPR, you know, a couple years after the book came out and he, you know, it's like a 20 minute interview and the woman asked him, you know, he was working a full time job when he wrote the book. And she was like, you know, when did you find the time to write this book? This guy would get up at fucking 3.30 in the morning, write till 9 o'clock, go to work, come home, write till like 2 in the morning. And he would sleep for 3, 4. He said he did that for four years. And then the last two months, he literally rented a cabin in the woods and just, you know, again, this is, you know, the 70s, I think, or the 60s when that book was written. Um, But yeah, I mean, you know, so the idea of just you got to – People are, there's so many talented people out there in so many different art forms that will never do anything because they're lazy. And I'm sure you see it with musicians. <laughs> well, I mean, most people see the, the, the trick is in with music and with writing is that it, it, the, the, the joy comes in, the joy comes in making pages. Mm-hmm. It's not about. It's not about uh, uh, you know hustling the book mm-hmm. after it comes out, although that has its that's fun as well. Yeah. But if unless you unless it brings you satisfaction to actually uh, put words down, then then it might not be for you, yeah. and that's that's all right. You yeah. Know? Yeah. And it's you know it's kind of not like thinning the herd, but at the same time, it's just again, yeah, you have to be happy with it. Um, you know, I write, and even on the, sh- the days that I'm writing like garbage, you know, I can at least like go to sleep knowing that, you know, I, I did it. Like you at least tried to do it. Um, you know, it's super difficult. And, and again, with writing, it's, it, you know, it, it, you're, it's usually a solitary thing. You know, you don't have bandmates, you don't have writing mates, you know, uh, huh? 
I would say that writing is always a solitary that, thing. That, exactly. So it's just, it's always going to be, even if you're in a public place, you know, you're by yourself with your laptop or whatever. And, you know, so again, I, I, I talked in the beginning of the podcast and I joked about like the angels and demons in your head when it comes to writing. It's like, you know, a lot of people deal with that, man. A lot of people deal with just negative thoughts about everything they do, uh, me included. <laughs> so, you know, it's like I, again, it's like the routine saves me. That's how I'm kind of able to even out that playing field in my own head. Um, but it's that, you know, it's going to the cafe every day after work for 30 minutes and just, you know, sitting down and writing. Um, and also, what also doesn't get talked about, and, you know, and I'm so happy that you're the kind of dude like me, like you're collecting, you know, first cover hardbacks. Like, in order to be a good writer, you also have to be a good reader. Well, I mean, yeah, uh, uh well it's funny like when when i was when when i'm in full bore writing mode i don't read anything of course not but you're reading all and the time i don't time read anything on purpose because i don't want anything to i don't want anything to infect my, the, my flow so i don't read i don't read anything at all but could you be the writer also, you are for after the thousand of books you've already read oh well that, I mean, that's different sure well that's what i'm saying you have to be a good reader to be a good writer um you know, you have to spend time with books in order, I think, to create good books. Um, well, yeah, if you're gonna, if, if you're, if you're gonna be passionate about it, for sure. you know. And again, I, it's like it, it's the classic scene of like you see the people go to the coffee shop with the book, and then they put the book down, and then they're just on their phone. <laughs> like I'm curious how many how many books get bought, and that's their life. You know, that's their life. <laughs> like they, they belong to that person who just got it fucking at an airport put it down, you know, after four pages. And you know, th that's a crazy thing too, isn't it? How you could spend three, four years working on a book, a year getting it published. Some dude like me walks into the bookstore, picks it up. I don't like the first three sentences and I just put it down. You know, it's amazing how fickle of an art form it is. Like, you know, within an instant, whether you like a song or not, right? Yeah. yeah. You have to, ha I mean, that's why you have to, you have to, I mean, you're, you're, you have to be you have to be compelling from from the get go from the first sentence. It, it, yeah, in order in order to grab them and lure them in, mm -hmm. uh, that's what I you know. But in case we die, I made it. It's very lewd and provocative because yeah. I wanted to, I wanted to lure the writer in, and then all before be, before they realize it, they're reading the love story. Mm -hmm. I got you, sucker. Mm -hmm. uh, but. Um, uh, you know the the thing <laughs> that what 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 my experience is is that I would get I would someone would uh, buy my book and then they would read it and then they'd write me on whatever social media plat platform about how much they loved it and they they like I couldn't put it down I read it in one day mm -hmm. and I was like well read it again and take your fucking time this time. <laughs> exactly you a yeah lot of good yeah nuances yeah. Uh, do you ever find that in your own reading? You kind of speed read sometimes. No, I don't. Yeah, I I take my time and yeah. I pick apart. I yeah. mean, I don't pick apart sentences, but I, I I if I if I find a great sentence, I'll wallow in it for a while. Mm -hmm. for sure. Do you? Will you ever kind of dog your books and write in your books and kind of come back to them for good lines and things like that? I would never <laughs> write in a book or uh, or. I would never even set one down like on its spine. Uh -huh. That's like one of my pet peeves. Like I, I have, a, I have some. 
that's what bookmarkers are for. Without a doubt. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, and I, I was, I can't remember where I was. I was at a coffee shop somewhere on tour. And uh, some guy had, what was, it was a beautiful copy of some uh, Don DeLillo book. Mm-hmm. And he had it like open, open on the table, face down. Mm-hmm. And I walked by and I was just like, I, I just, I stopped. I pulled a dollar bill out of my pocket. <laughs> I, I picked it up. I put it in there like a bookmark and put it back down. I was like, no fucking way am I going to allow for that to happen. This is a true <laughs> just, story. This is real. That's yeah. crazy. Yeah. Um, I don't even remember where. Hopefully, but, uh, ho- some, co- some college town somewhere. But. Hopefully it wasn't Underworld. Um, I read, I read White Noise. <laughs> uh, I read um, White Noise. That's the only Don DeLillo book that I've actually read. Yeah, that's the only yeah. one I've read. And it's weird because that's just one of those books that, you know, it gets late. It's like, it's like a catch. It's like catch 22, right? It's like one of those books that like, you know, if you're a reader, like it's supposed to kind of be on your bookshelf. Uh, you know, it's, it's usually the only Don DeLillo book that people have ever read, but I read it and I'll admit, maybe it's worth a reread, but it kind of went over my head. Uh, did you read it? Are you a fan of his, actually? Or I am a fan. Yeah, I'm a uh-huh. fan. I have a, I have a bunch of his stuff. I, I think that the one in uh, the one in question was I'm looking at my bookshop right now. And I think it was I think it was Libra. Oh, okay. Is what he was what he was reading, and uh, 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 yeah, I am a fan. He does he does get uh, he is a uh, he is a smarty pants, you know. Interesting. That's, that's <laughs> intellectual good. fella. Yeah, good and, way to but, put it. But you know, I mean, so you know, no more than like uh, I don't know Norman Mailer or something like <laughs> that. You know, depending depending on which one you're reading. Uh, uh, so, you know, I can, uh, I can, I can dig it if I'm, uh, if I'm in the mood for that sort of thing. You said Norman Mailer and the book that is closest to me right now, I'm looking at it right now from where I'm sitting. Uh, did you ever read the executioner song? You did? Oh yeah. Oh man, I mean that, that was my first Norman Mailer book. And it's funny on the back of it, Dave Eggers, um, I'll read it. And he says, I want to urge you with all my being that you must read the Executioner's Song. I want to further guarantee that you will finish it. It's the fastest 1,000 pages you will ever know. He's kind of right. I got to be honest. I mean, this book is its probably the heaviest book on my bookshelf, probably the thickest. But you open it up, and I mean, God, I'm opening it up right now. And just how he was able to write a 1,000-page book, and I mean – it's a talk about a page turner. <laughs> yeah. Oh, absolutely. And I don't, I don't know. Uh, I just pulled out my copy, which is first again, edition I'm hardcover. The, I'm the snooty, I'm the snooty book collector. So it doesn't have anything by Dave Edgar's on the back. Of it, ah. but, uh, it is a beauty. That's for sure. Man, what a piece of work. I mean, have you read any of his other stuff too? Yeah. Uh, what's I like, um, oh, what do I like? Uh, uh, the naked and the dead. Mm, and, yeah. um, uh, uh, he wrote a cool what's that book. called hold on where's the, the um, this is the one I like here uh, oh, of, a, of a fire on the moon ooh like okay that. I don't know that one huh yeah a shorter book or a longer book that was a, a average size book okay. he wrote um, I read another book of his recently he was a big boxing fan um, and he yeah. wrote a book called The Fight which uh, he kind of 
from a journalistic point of view, follow around Muhammad Ali and um, uh, 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 George Foreman uh, for their fight. And it was a, again, he, you know, he puts you in a weird place. Um, I feel like history doesn't treat, doesn't look at him kindly. Uh, you know, I, I think in his time, you know, he might have, you know, been a bad boy <laughs> to put it like yeah yeah i mean you know he, he's he is from that from that decade where you know writers would go on talk shows and oh, they yeah. would actually talk to them for a long time yeah and, and uh, they would write articles in playboy and it was a you know it was a different thing like not 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 necessarily good or bad it was just a it was just a different different era well because we all because you, you read playboy for the articles right uh, but honestly, though, but it, but that was always the joke. But the it's some of the best writing came from Playboy. Yeah, I mean, it was that was it was not a it was something that it was something that all the writer writers of the time did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. and and it wasn't like you weren't slumming it if you were writing for magazines. No so. way, no way. Do you th- well? Okay. Do you think nowadays it would be slumming it to write for a magazine? <laughs> No, I mean no. Yeah, really. yeah, yeah. I, I would. I don't. Yeah. I, I don't have any access to. What would you even write for? Exactly. Um, That's what I'm saying. Like, yeah. What magazine is there? I mean, it would have. Did you know back in the day? Did you know any people who wrote for like Spin or for Rolling Stone or for any of those kind of publications? Um, you know, I mean, I, I dealt with a lot of different. Journalists yeah. from you know when I from when when I was managing bands, but I don't really you know I can't say there's anyone that I've any you know outside of Lester Bangs. Oh, I was going to say that, that of, was I the movie. Name right? a, yeah. I can't name a, a, a you know a musical journalist. <laughs> Did you like that movie? Was it almost famous? Right where she pulls out the Simon and Garfunkel and she gives it to her brother, and he's like, she's like, this will change your mind. <laughs> uh, I don't, uh, you know. Uh, well, almost famous. I didn't really. I didn't love. Um, I know more about Lester Bangs just from reading about him and reading some books that he wrote. Yeah. Uh, but as a general rule, uh, you know, there's 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 a few things about being a tour manager um, that are ruined uh, for you for the rest of your life, and one of them is movies about music. <laughs> <laughs> almost any. And I, I I I can't stand almost any music biopic at all uh, I, I yeah i mean well it's unfortunate i know i know that it's not it's not the film itself necessarily mm-hmm. it's my it's the way i watch it of course and it's the same way i watch any band play or um and and, and why when i'm home i don't uh, the only time I'll go to a rock and roll show is if a friend of mine is playing in it <laughs> that way, or someone I need to go see. Of Other course. than that, for I mean, for entertainment, then there's there's no way in hell. <laughs> I would just I'd prefer to go to a play, or go see a string quartet play, or uh, or or go to the movies. I would do anything but go see a rock and roll band because, I mean, what 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 are they going to do that I haven't seen a million times before? <laughs> And I was in the dwarves for Jesus, for Christ's sake. I mean, uh, what kind of action are they going to provide me that yeah. I haven't seen and or participated in before? Most, of, I mean, yeah. You're taught. Unfortunately, you're stuck on the phone with a guy who's seen fish over a hundred times. But I won't make the argument that there's nothing left to see. But I agree with you. Yeah, you know, at this point, you know, you're going to go out to the clubs and you know, 
Yeah, if you've been, I've been playing in bands for. I've heard so many shitty bands that I don't. <laughs> it just it it doesn't. Yeah, it, it doesn't need to happen anymore. Um, but to go back actually to the movie rock and roll thing, you know what scene? And it, it, honestly, it's the only scene in the movie that was actually good and representative of what was happening. Did you see the Queen movie? Did okay. I saw the, the opening scene. They even they paid so much attention to that live aid performance that they even if you go on YouTube and watch the original performance, they yeah. even nailed the Pepsi cups that are on top yeah. of. I mean, so like, and even the way he adjusted his monitor before he started. So like, you know, the, I like to think there's people behind the scenes who do give a shit about this stuff. Um, you know. But it's also like when these when books get adapted into movies, right? That's a whole nother, you know, thing where it's just you know it's, it doesn't it, it you know works out sometimes, but it, it's a difficult one, I guess, unless it's Twilight. But I don't know. I mean, you have to watch you have to watch the film as a film, and, mm-hmm. and uh, it, mm-hmm. there's you know it can't compare to the book. I mean, there's there are several movies that are supposed to be better than the book, mm-hmm. but uh, like what you know. Uh, well, I mean, people say that Fight Club is better than the book. Yeah, okay. Are you uh, a fan of his I, in general? Yeah, yeah, okay. I like him. Yeah. I like uh, Polinick. Choke um, was my favorite book of his. Yeah, I got, I mean, I got, I have him, his books all the way up to, let me get my glasses here, see what we're looking at. He released one, well, you, I mean, you know, I guess, you know, working in a porn shop. Did he release the one about the porn star, right? What was the name of that book? Fuck. Oh. Yeah, it was like last, it was like two thousand. The last one I got was called is called Jesus Christ. It didn't even have the title on the on the cover. Uh, it's called oral bio, oral biography of Buster Casey. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Oh no, it's called Rants. Okay. He was um. Oh yeah. H- have you heard about kind of what happened to him recently? Um, oh man, he so he his agent stole all his money. All of it, <laughs> like millions and millions of dollars. Yeah, he, he he was making the rounds about a year ago on the podcast realm. He was on Joe Rogan's podcast and talked very openly about it. And he kind of just talked. I mean, he was a guy who kind of he's got an interesting story or Wikipedia read. He was a kind of he was living in Portland, um, and he kind of picked up writing, kind of like you and I did, kind of just you know as something fun to do. I, I I don't know if you for well for people who don't know the story in case Danny does, but yeah, and he picked it up and he kind of joined like a writer's group and the writer's group kind of kicked him out because he was too lewd. Um, you know, he, he, he describes it more eloquently. But yeah, he's an interesting cat because it's just, he's a dude who just went about it, did exactly what he wanted to do. You know, I mean, he's a pretty unique voice whether or not you enjoy his writing. Um, pretty, you know, pretty hard. Art I like it up. I like it up to, uh, I like it up to eh, probably... I think diary. I still have. I still have a couple after that. Haunted book's pretty good too. Okay. And it, you know, yeah. But uh, my favorite is Survivor. I think that's. I, I think that's my favorite. Book that's the one with the plane crash. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Just great. I mean, just you know, just the the just the format of that book is pretty yeah. interesting. I yeah. Think. Um. Yeah, and chokes the one where he ha- he fakes choking to death and it gets money from like cards. Like. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty, yeah, he's, yeah, he's an interesting dude. And another book that people always say the movie was better than the book. And you know, I'm not even—I didn't even read the book, but uh, the Green Mile. 
And that's one of Stephen King's supposedly best books. Um, people always talk about how good that movie was over the book. Um, actually, you know what book? You know what book that I, I revisited recently? And it, again, it was made into a blockbuster movie, but the book is just as good, if not better. Did you ever read Jurassic Park? No, you haven't? No, I haven't. Oh, uh, man. No, I, I haven't read Dress Park. I actually haven't even read a Stephen King book in my whole life. Well, yeah, no. Well, my, well so, yeah, Stephen King. Uh, so, Jurassic Park was Michael Crichton. And he was, yeah, a, yeah. yeah, yeah. And, like, the book is, I mean, he was, I think, like, a biophysicist before he started writing. And, like, the detail he puts into, I mean, he wrote about dinosaurs before anyone you know, <laughs> was gonna write about dinosaurs. Um, Tell me, you wrote about dinosaurs before anyone? Well, no, 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 no. I'm sorry. No, 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 no. <laughs> no, no. I mean, but, but in a fictionalized way. You know, I mean, is there? Yeah, I mean, is there like a piece of literature? Yeah, that fictionalized dinosaurs. I don't. I, I mean, I'd be hard. There must be. Yeah, well, in a kiddie book, right? Kids book or something like that. I've always thought about kids book, kids author books. That's an interesting gig. Uh. uh well, you know, I, I did a, um, er, earlier during pandemic times, I did a whole, I did 50 episodes of a Instagram slash Facebook series of me re- reading children's books. Really? Reading books to kids. Huh, yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. Was, uh, was there a name to it? Can people still check it out? Is it on YouTube? Uh, it's not on YouTube. It's, oh. either, it's either on my Facebook page oh, okay. or on my Instagram page. And I just, it just, it's just Danny Bland reads to your children. <laughs> and, uh, and I'm going to do it again okay. pretty soon. But I did like 50, like I did 50 episodes. Yeah. And I did, uh, I think I was doing it five, five nights a week or something like that. Uh-huh. But that's, uh, then I took a break and then it turned into a really long fucking break. And, um, now I'm going to start up again. Do you so. like reading in front of people? Is that something you enjoy? Is it something you think you're good at? Yeah, you know, I did a, I did a, I did a tour uh, when in case we case we die came up. I went mm-hmm. up and I went down the west coast and yeah. up the east coast and did you Chicago. come to SF? Chicago? Yeah, I read at uh, shit. What's the name of that place? On it's on right on Hate there. Uh, oh, I, yeah, I should know. Oh, um, wait, uh, the Bindery or Booksmith? Yeah, Booksmith. Yeah, yeah. I, I live very close to there. I, I live in Haight Ashbury. Um, yeah, that's dope. Cool. I'm, I, and, uh, I, yeah. It was great. It was a good. It was a good. It was a good crowd. But I have, I have a lot of friends in San Francisco, and nice. I went, you know, down to LA and across to uh, Phoenix, and then I flew over to uh, the East Coast. And I first, at, uh, yeah, I was terrified at first, but yeah. then by the end of the, by the halfway through the tour, I got pretty good at it, mm-hmm. and then and I, I found it to be, uh, yeah, really fun. We interact um, with people. Yeah, for for people who don't know, um, you know, when when you when you write a book, you know, you go on a book tour and you you know you read passages from your book and things of that nature. Some authors read the same thing every single night. Um, I think most authors probably do. Um, and I've only read in front of people one time, <laughs> um, and then quarantine happened. Um, but an an author friend of mine gave me great advice, and he would I would have been fucked otherwise. Um, he's like, what, you know, he, he opened, you know, he opened my book and he showed it to me and he's like, show me what you think you want to read. <laughs> and I, you know, showed him like five pages and he's like, ain't going to happen. I'm like, what? He's like, that's good. In my mind, I wrote the best book in the world. Right. So I want everyone to hear it. Um, I didn't think about the fact that I'd be putting everyone to fucking sleep within three, you know, 
three paragraphs. So he showed me a really cool trick, and I don't know if you do the same thing, but for live speaking events, um, he was just like, he's just like, you know, you don't have to read this paragraph. You can jump, you know, two pages to this sentence and kind of cut and paste and copy around your own book and to make it a different format. Do you do the same thing or do you kind of just read straight through or do you have any way of doing it? I like to keep the whole reading part of the program down to like 15 minutes or so. Uh-huh. And so I would, so I would read, uh, just a few pages from a few different chapters okay. and then, and I had it all worked out where I kind of, uh, yeah, I would just, uh, I wanted, I was giving them a sample of what they were about to spend 25 bucks mm-hmm. on. So, you know, I read something funny. Mm-hmm. I read something, uh, uh, heartbreakingly sad, and then and and uh, you know I made I just included all the elements that go uh, on with my, on with the book, and then you know you try to you try to end it on a upbeat thing, and and then you and then the Q and A part can mm-hmm. always be fascinating because oh, yeah. you never know what's going to come out. Oh yeah, and uh, yeah. Are you kind of open then to people? Do you have an interesting crowd? You think? Do you think people ask you interesting questions, or do you kind of wish they yeah. ask you better questions? No, for the most part, they, they were they were they were pretty damn interesting, yeah. and uh, you know the people people come when people come to your reading or come to a bookstore to see you. They don't they don't come there to hate you. They oh, want to like yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. So well, not know, maybe so, not all of them. <laughs> well, I, I found that you know people if they're gonna if they're gonna you know. Nobody accidentally stumbles in, so if they go out of their way to come see you, then they're you know they want they want to like you. Most and, and they already have some sort of idea, and, they, and most people have questions. Yeah, and uh, and also you know some of the people who were waiting in line, some of them got were pretty emotional about everything, and it was more than a few times where where you where there would be uh, a lady who was crying, and so you'd get up and hug them and. Mm-hmm. Kind of console them, but it, yeah, when you, people get attached to those things and they have similar experiences, and, yeah. and if you have someone committed suicide in your life, then that that can that touches you and brings it brings it out. And they, you know, so when they're when they're meeting someone who has had a similar experience, it can it can be it can be heavy. Definitely, definitely. Um, did you find over the tour, if you were reading the same passages, you kind of almost started? beginning to perform them at times like you would add gusto to the way you spoke or do you kind of speak in a deadpan do you kind of you know do you make it fun and artistic or you kind of just speak mild-manneredly uh, I, i'd like to think that there was some <laughs> showbiz elements to yeah. what i was doing i yeah. mean i didn't I, I i stopped short of um dancing or or doing interpretive dance of or something course. like that but, yeah no you know, yeah but but yeah i like to i'd like to think that it was you know the funny parts came off as funny yeah the sad parts came off as sad yeah it's it's just <laughs> interesting reading your own work out loud um yeah again it, uh, it, when you play music you know live you get that immediate reaction and again since i'm so music heavy at still it's just like a sponge in my brain I, you know when i was reading i was kind of expecting to look out of the crowd and you know <laughs> see them like chanting along but no they were just looking at me and expecting me to continue reading so it's something i'm new to um and it's just refreshing to hear other authors kind of talk about it and just you know their process behind it because it's a different thing they, uh, you know they throw a, a beer at you and spit on oh, you hey like you that. never know yeah. hey, i've seen crazier shit um but danny i feel like you and i can talk forever and i think we should probably do another podcast 
Um, if you're down for it, uh, we've gone longer than I ever th- thought we would. Um, can we, you? We really need to drill down into into your mental illness. So uh, yes, we should yeah, do another Dan- podcast without a doubt. <laughs> Danny, can you please tell people where they can find you on the internet and things of that nature? Uh, I would go to uh, just Danny Bland or uh, Mr. Danny Bland on Instagram. I, I, I'm pretty good at that, and I will post. Um, I will post the occasional haiku series on there, mm-hmm. and uh, I'm uh, I'm also Mr. Danny Bland on Twitter, which I reserve mostly for wisecracking and and uh, cutting up, and then uh, uh, and then Facebook, just Danny Bland. I'm, I'm sure you'll you'll it's I'm the guy with the braids, or I, who knows what the photo is right now, <laughs> but uh, find me there. And um, yeah, like I said, I, whenever I whenever I write a haiku series, I post like one a day. Uh, until I finish the series, and I'll post the whole thing, and and uh, you know, occasionally I'll, I'll occasionally I'll slap up a few paragraphs of what I'm working on too, if I feel like. Awesome, um, and everyone, go please buy his books. Make sure you buy them local stores wherever you are in the country. Yeah. We will always want to support that. If you're in SF, go to Green Apple you Books. Can, here, let me hustle my uh, yeah. uh, my latest. My latest is called uh, "We Shouldn't Be Doing This." And you get, and you can get that one on uh, the best place to get that one is the revolutionartshop.com dot com, and uh, uh, and and uh, the uh, some of the profits from that book go to Smash, which is a, a company or a, a, an organization that helps uh, Seattle musicians get health care, and uh, you can find all kinds of stuff on that website, including. Uh, some haiku merchandise that goes uh, that uh, goes to uh, Planned Parenthood too. Danny, thanks so much for taking the time to talk to us. Thank you. All right, I'll we'll talk see to you again. We'll see everyone next time on the next episode of a uh, Writing Friction. Peace.